You are tuned in to the Foul Weather Podcast, the forecast to your next successful hunt. Coming to you from the home office, Jack's Reef, New York. Hot barrels high on the prairie. In this episode, the Foul Weather Podcast forecast our first real duck alert as ducks move out of the northwestern prairie and into the mid-continent and places farther south. We also visit why ducks migrate at different times, cover where the ducks are hot and where they're not, and I also reflect on the fall season with good shoots, good eats, a warm wood stove, and friends and family. This is truly, uh, man, this is the best time of year, guys. We thank our weekly listeners. You know who you are. Those that never miss a single weekly migration forecast episode that's dropped each Monday morning. Y'all are just ate up as much as me about ducks, duck biology, and duck migration. Thank you for being a dedicated listener and being the first to know when ducks are moving into your area. I'm your host, Dr. Mike, coming to you from the home office in Jack's Reef. In addition to an exciting duck migration forecast, we detail why ducks migrate at different times. If you're just joining us or haven't given it a listen, go back to the bonus episode from uh, mid-last week, episode 8, Predicting the Grand Passage, where we explain how we predict duck migration. Today we dig deeper into how ducks differ in their tolerance to weather as it gets more severe and species start to move south. In that episode, we use the term Grand Passage. My best friend from college on the way back from duck hunting yesterday, that was Saturday, um, in our area, it was the opening day of our western zone in New York, um, had a great shoot, I'll talk about that in a little bit here, Um, but he asked me about what we meant by Grand Passage, and he made a really good point. We at the Foul Weather Podcast really try to clearly explain all different types of definitions and such and provide clear information for a broad audience. Uh, But we really didn't detail what a Grand Passage was. We noted that using the Weather Severity Index, or WSI, using that, we could definitely forecast the Grand Passage of ducks. A Grand Passage is broadly defined as a major movement of ducks out of an area typically used for a major movement of hundreds of thousands of ducks and geese out of the Canadian and U.S. prairies during during kind of a strong cold and snow event. I've seen it once in South Dakota. It was, it was spectacular. I watched on kind of like this high rolling uh, pasture one night in November as the sun set and birds streamed over me constantly, like from horizon to horizon. It was every species of duck it was geese, um, swans were in there. It, it was truly awesome. I bet you I saw 100,000 ducks that evening before the sunset. Um, these weren't even huntable ducks anymore, right? Wetlands were freezing, and that night we'd see about 10 inches of snow. The next day there was barely a duck or a goose left in that county, and my season was, was pretty much over in that, in that year I lived in northeast South Dakota. Sometimes that happens all at once, and a strong front moves in from the northwest all the way through the Dakota prairies. Or sometimes, like this week, that line pushes partway south and leaves some great duck shooting in more southern locales of the, of the prairies and kind of the Dakotas and such. Um, but let us, I don't want to get too much into, that, that, into the forecast for this week yet. Um, but so first, a little note on the fall season and, when, and really why we find it to be such a special time of year at the Fall Weather Podcast. 
I think you'll all agree, you know, we have different traditions, but the season of harvest is really on us, and it's a time to fill freezers, but it's also a time to reflect with family and friends, celebrating everything that was great about the year and that year that's quickly kind of disappearing behind us. It's a great time of reflection, and increasingly, you know, my own pace slows from, you know, once I get through deer season and duck season and such, um, I do get into ice fishing, but that's a real slow pace kind of a thing. And my pace really slows down. I sleep a lot. It's a great time of year to catch up on rest. And my season slows down until the spring turkey season kind of the next year. So have a listen um, on this reflection and and think about your own harvest, your own traditions and family, right? We're We're really all cut from the same thread. So I really couldn't imagine you know, not having this time of, of fall harvest, you know, leaves are changing, ducks are moving, um, spend, I think, more time with family kind of over the holidays and, you know, hopefully with friends and family in the, in the duck blind. But it's, it's by far my favorite time of year and, and all of us at the Foul Weather Podcast. And I think you'll agree that, we all really look forward to to the fall. I know folks right now at southern latitudes, you know, I can't I can't prescribe or or produce um a, a podcast each week which is, captures everybody. But at kind of northern tier mid latitude areas, this progression of fall is starting. I mean, I looked at the weather severity stuff. Memphis is still in the 80s. Heck, I mean, central New York this week is going to be in the 70s and close to 80 at a point. Um, but you can feel it in the air. Things are changing. Animals are getting ready for, you know, moving south or hibernating or whatever. Crops are coming off. Um, combines are running. And, you know, there's that at the farmhouse here, there's regularly that smell of acorn squash in the oven. Um, the wood stove's running. You know, you come in from closing down the barn for the night and, um, you know, on a, on a cool, wet, you know, kind of fall night with some wind and leaves falling. And, uh, you know, the wood stove's going and the house is, is cozy and, and uh, kind of relaxing. Um, some, you know, some tunes on the radio, cooking, hanging out, um, making gumbo, making venison stew. It's really great. Um, this uh, yesterday, so I'm doing this Monday now, so I got to get these terms right. Yesterday we had um, we had graduate students over from from my lab at ESF. I used that term earlier. I didn't explain what what ESF is, and somebody mentioned that to me. Um, ESF is the State University of New York College of Environmental Science and Forestry. And so ESF stands for Environmental Science and Forestry. It's actually, we do a bad job of advertising. It's actually one of the older um, and larger wildlife forestry schools in the country. Um, New York is known for its conservation. It is the birthplace of of Ducks Unlimited. um, And it's the birthplace of a lot of great conservation and conservation organizations um, like Campfire and others. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, who is a champion of conservation, is from New York, and I'm actually the waterfall ecologist for the Roosevelt Wildlife Station that's part of ESF, uh, founded in 1911, like a lot of great things, kind of at the turn of that century. 
And it's one of the only things that's actually, you know, Teddy Roosevelt endorsed and had his his name put on was that that Roosevelt Wildlife Station. So I'm proud to be part of that that awesome legacy. But anyway, I digressed a little bit there. So we're having students over. I do an annual kind of harvest gathering, I call it. Um, We'll watch the Buffalo Bills game. I'm I'm a Bills fan. I'm originally from Western New York, so that's that's a thing. Hey, if the NFL's not your thing, that's fine. Um, I watched the Tennessee-Alabama game yesterday, too. I do college football as well. Um, so I get it. You know, I spent time at Mississippi State. The SEC is awesome. I wish the Syracuse Orangemen would come back and do something. But anyhow, um, we'll put the Bills game on. I have some faculty over, some friends. I'm doing duck kebabs. I'm doing venison stew, fried crappie, and perch. Um, what else? Oh, th- a few, three, three roast wood ducks on that Weber recipe that's on the, f- uh, on our webpage, foulweather.co. And if you click on, we're calling it Foul Eater. Um, it's going to be our recipes page. Please do feel free to send us your recipes if, if you've got interest in being featured there as well. We've got three of my main ones up now. We're going to add some more, obviously, in the, in the future. Um, but the point here is is that this is just a great time of year to get together um, with family, you know, post-hunts type stuff. I, I shot New York's opener yesterday. It was off the hook. Um, you know, barrels were definitely hot. It, we, we had a spot. We got the last pick at a refuge. Um, I had a reservation. Luckily, I got picked for one. I think there was 25 spots and about 450 people put in. Uh, I think that goes to say how much people want quality um, hunting experiences where you constantly see ducks. I mean, we didn't stop blowing a duck call till about 9.30. I mean, it was just constant birds. It was a grind, though, with last pick. Um, we didn't get a great spot. We did finish with our 12 ducks. I went with my my buddy from, from old buddy from college. I still hang out with now. It's great to have those folks around at, at this time of year. You know, we played some pool afterwards and and had a few beers and chatted ducks and life and all that stuff but yeah we picked up six widgeon um two mallards two wood ducks a hen pintail and a ringneck duck i think that adds up to 12 um i don't think i'm missing anything so it was a cool mixed bag too right um, but yeah, we're, so, you know, we, we had that and, and I had a few shoots earlier, so I got three roast wood ducks to put on the grill for this gathering. And you know what? I mean, it's just a great time of year. Uh, we do a summer farm party here too. We do a giant bonfire and we deep fry some turkeys and stuff. That's a huge one. That's like 50, 60 people. Uh, we have the bonfire. We, we start with a shotgun. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll put the video up of that sometime. It, yeah, it turns out you can start a fire with a shotgun. <laughs> so anyway, we'll we'll put that one on pause for now. Um, I just want to end, though, by, you know, everybody's traditions are different, right? Like it, it's my wife and I picked and uh, muscadines and made all kinds of cool stuff out of muscadines, uh, you know, when we lived in Mississippi as well. And I know that's a tradition for folks is finding muscadines and picking muscadines at times. So up here, you know, the garden's shutting down. We're pulling carrots now. We're putting garlic in. But, you know, all these traditions change and they differ by where you're at. But it is just a, an awesome time of year. I just want to take a second to reflect. Um, we're not robots here on the Fall Weather Podcast. We're, we're humans. We're, we're, we're just like you. And we see these changing seasons. And, and it's it's exciting time, especially for those of us that hit the, the fields and marshes and rivers and Uh, try to fill the freezer for family and friends for the year so thanks for you know giving me a chance to share a little bit about you know what we do personally at at the fall weather podcast you know when we're away from the microphone
All right, so thanks for letting me, uh, you know, get that little tidbit out there. So, uh, so why did ducks migrate at different times? We're going to go from kind of the earliest to latest dabbling duck migrant from blue-winged teal to mallards and black ducks. First, that term dabbling duck may not be known to, you know, all of us, or they're also called puddle ducks. These ducks tend not to dive. Diving ducks have feet set really far back. They're less capable of walking on land, and they've got shorter wings. So diving ducks paddle across the water to get up and fly, where dabbling ducks have larger wings relative to body mass and can spring straight up from the marsh to gain flight. Dabbling ducks also feed or dabble in shallow water. They also tip, right? So think about that that pintail and mallard as only being about 18 inches long at most. So just think about from your elbow to your fingertips. If you put your hand in a marsh in the wetland with fingers extended and the water starts to go over your elbow before you can actually touch the bottom, it's actually starting to already get too deep for even the longest dabbling duck to tip and touch the bottom to obtain food. Yeah, they feed on the surface as well, right? They dabble, some more than others. But if food is available throughout that space and they can reach seeds and tubers at the bottom, those high-carbohydrate foods that they store for energy from migration, you're really apt to, those birds are apt to use that area more during migration. The biggest mistake we see in wetland management is making the water too deep. More to come on that in a series of wetland management for waterfall episodes from the Fall Weather Podcast team, probably following the close of duck season, kind of after January. We'll keep this uh, podcast rolling and get into a series of wetland management for waterfall episodes. Okay, so blue-winged teal, our earliest migrant that leaves much of North America starting as early as late August and into September. So why so early? Go back and listen to a tale of two migrations that details fixed and flexible migration. Although blue-winged teal adjust a little, right, and we're starting to see some of them stay longer. Um, Folks in New York are still shooting a few. I saw some come through the check station yesterday. But I know they're even staying winter down in like the Louisiana Delta and Atchafalaya Delta and places like that now. Um, but they're primarily a fixed migrant. Some of my own research and that of colleagues showed that blueing teal really use day length and not severity of weather is the major predictor of when to migrate. They act like a neotropical migrant or a songbird that winters in South America. Indeed, blueing teal winter in Central and South America as well as the Caribbean islands, and they're certainly not staying on their northern breeding grounds throughout winter. So once they get fat, once they're ready to go, they just do so because their winter area is stable. So blueing teal just blasts through North America really quickly and are out of town, um, and that's why we have those early blueing teal seasons to take advantage of them. Next, yeah, wood ducks are they're just babies, right? On that first hint of frost, they tend to leave town. They're relatively small and use isolated forested wetlands more than any other other duck. They are really, you know, mostly feeding in, on forest seeds and on acorns. Um, and these forest areas tend to cool quickly and freeze quickly at northern latitudes, beaver ponds, isolated little shallow wetlands, wooded wetlands. Um, so wood ducks move out early and into stable, you know, forested swamps at southern locales that are not going to freeze. Right. This is why, you know, a lot of the duck season in, in northern areas have a split, right? So what you get is a few days up front to take advantage of shooting wood ducks and some other early ducks before they head south. 
I mentioned, you know, that they're kind of a small duck um, as a reason that they leave early. Kind of. So what does that mean? Think about it. It takes more energy to fatten up a big duck. It takes more energy going in to build all that fat around a big duck like a mallard than it would for a small duck like a wood duck, right? But the surface area to body mass ratio is greater in a wood duck than a mallard. So heat loss is much greater. And so while it takes less food to fatten up a wood duck, as temperatures decline, it takes more food per unit body mass to maintain that fat on that wood duck. So it becomes really risky to keep staying at northern latitudes as temperatures decline for a wood duck. So their best bet is to choose to go south before conditions get too harsh. Next up is the shoveler or old bucket face. <laughs> the shoveler has these really highly developed lamellae. Okay, so what are lamellae? They are those teeth-like bumps on the edges of a duck's bill, and they help them filter foods of different sizes. The lamellae size and spacing is different among each dabbling duck species. The lamellae of shovelers are like baleen and whales that they the whales use to kind of filter krill, right? In shovelers, they use these fine lamellae to filter small invertebrates. They're actually primarily carnivorous, eating small, you know, bugs, basically. They do, of course, eat seeds at times, but their bills are built for bugs. They also are not really a large bird. They're pretty small in the spectrum of dabbling ducks, and eating protein at pretty much all times makes it harder to store carbohydrates. So being small... In an insect eater, they tend to be kind of next migrant after wood ducks. Next, we have green-winged teal and widgeon that start to move south. So, yeah, it makes you think. A green-winged teal is really small. So why later than, say, a wood duck or a shoveler? The answer? They're really seed specialists and, you know, seed specialists from wetlands. And they can field feed. You will find green-winged teal going into cornfields, right? Um, so they do a really good job, despite being small, of maintaining fat levels longer as the weather degrades. Widgeon are a relatively small dabbling duck that mostly eats wetland vegetation in open water. So the combination of a carbohydrate-poor diet and being kind of small makes them move ahead of other larger-bodied ducks that also focus on eating seeds. Next, the gadwall gets out of town. Also a vegetation eater but slightly larger than the widgeon, the gadwall hangs out a little bit longer before heading south. Next is the pintail, which is among our larger dabbling ducks. They also have really long bodies, so you know greater portions of the wetlands are available for them to feed because they can reach the bottom. Lastly, they also field feed readily, and they're wetland seed specialists, so staying fat isn't as hard for a pintail. They're pretty hardy. Last, we see the mallards and black ducks leave. They have about the same tolerances and often migrate together. They're bigger, and they use a variety of open water habitats, marshes, and they field feed more, more than most other dabbling ducks. I mean, you've seen it probably. Mallards and black ducks will even wait out a few days of snow and freezing and wind. If they're fat enough, they'll huddle up and try to see if the weather will break to stay north. I mean, heck, in central New York, we have mallards and black ducks that stay all winter, and I'd say they're, they're increasingly doing that um, as things seem to be warming up. So that's the breakdown of dabbling duck tolerances to changing weather to weather severity. And this is why people usually ask, where have all the mallards gone at southern latitudes? Most years, the other dabbling ducks make it to the deep south. 
my good friend James Calicut from Mississippi State dubbed the saying a few years ago, love the shoveler and embrace the gadwall because your mallards might not make it to y'all this year. I don't know. Or I always always get this mixed up. Or was it love the gadwall and embrace the shoveler? I don't know. Either way, he speaks the truth, and we should all appreciate the fun shoots with the other dabblers, the non-mallards, and the great food and friends, family, and dog fun they provide in our southern skies in wetlands. All right, everybody wants the spectacular migration alert forecast. We're really happy to forecast a major movement of ducks out of the Canadian prairies and south to a line that follows from Cody, Wyoming to the northeast corner of North Dakota on an almost perfect 45 degree angle. We want to note that we forecast this as a total freeze out event for kind of Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Montana, and about 50% of North Dakota and 25% of Wyoming. For North Dakota, simply draw a line from the southwest corner to the northeast corner, and that is about the line with a total freeze-out and snow event that will move most dabbling ducks south of that line. So if you live in those areas and have time off this week, if you're in that, if you're north and west of that freeze-out line and that snow event, and you have still have time available to take off work, I'd be hunting today and every day thereafter until you freeze out. The snow and cold starts on Tuesday in the most northwest corner of this area. It's in northeast Montana by Wednesday, western North Dakota by Thursday, and through northeast North Dakota by Friday. It's kind of slow-moving system. If you live south of these areas in the kind of western portion of our forecast range, um, you know, Wyoming and Colorado, south of this freeze-out line, I'd be hunting Wednesday and Thursday. Um, and as we move farther east, just follow that line. We see a major movement of ducks into South Dakota on Thursday and Friday, and then into Nebraska by the weekend. In Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, and northern Illinois, that movement should happen Friday through Saturday. But we do want to note that locales farther south in that comment, like Iowa and Illinois, should see a bigger movement of early dabbling ducks than mallards. We'd really expect that there's going to be a major peak of mallards um, in kind of southeast North Dakota and throughout South, South Dakota and western portions of Minnesota as that front freezes up areas just to the north. Just as an example, all along that line in North Dakota noted in areas farther north and west, they're all forecast to have nighttime temperatures in the teens, daytime temperatures that are still most of it below freezing but also areas with up to 8 inches of snow. Ducks don't hang around long with those conditions. Unfortunately, farther east, we see a completely different story for the coming week. The home office in Jack's Reef will be nearly 80 degrees by midweek, and even areas farther north in Quebec and Ontario are not forecast to be cold enough to produce any measurable duck migration. I mean, sorry folks, it can't be a grand passage everywhere this week. So where the ducks are hot goes to the prairies just south of that cold front. I'd actually say if you are, you know, in South Dakota this week, get after it. And if you're farther north, kill them while they're there. Um, again, if I lived in that 50% portion of North Dakota and hadn't filled the freezer yet, I'd be out there this afternoon and every day after. I'd just take this week off and kill ducks as that, as that front moves kind of through. Where the ducks are not goes to anywhere south of New York in the east in the Atlantic Flyway. 
Um, you know, most of those duck seasons aren't open yet, which is a good thing. Um, and many of those states have actually moved their seasons later as the climate continues to warm and those ducks just aren't making it south as early. They're hanging in New York. Um, they're hanging in, in Ontario and Quebec because um, those birds just aren't making it as, as, as far south as early as they once did. In fact, I mean, I'd even say that duck shooting this week will slow up measurably in New York because the temperatures will be in the 70s much of the week. And most seasons in the southern portion of the state just opened. Um, and those ducks are ju just got hammered over the weekend. So they've got the disturbance factor um, plus being warm. They're probably just not going to move a, a, a lot. So I think it's going to um, really slow down, even on those good uh, managed shoots that happen on some national wildlife refuges in New York. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Good luck out there and get after them while the getting's good. Um, hot barrels for everybody in that uh, kind of region I talked about over in the mid-continent and in places farther west, so get it done. Remember, though, when you see the migration alerts from others um, days after our forecast, um, just remember that, right? We're doing this. Uh, we're not a report. We're forecasting these movement of ducks before they happen. And again, thank you for being a de dedicated listener and kind of being the first to know when ducks are moving into your area. Spread the word about the Fall Weather Podcast. We produce the only duck migration forecast available. Also remember to support us by sharing and following us for free on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also look us up on the web at foulweather.co and check in for regular updates. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as foulweather.co where we'll post episode links and updates. We are the forecast to your next successful hunt. Thanks for listening, and as always, may your skies be filled and shoot straight, my friends.